Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Inferno, episode four. This is a Suns podcast hosted by myself, Dana Scott, and my co-hosts, Patrick Batillo, Mr. Orange, who's the Suns' number one fan. You see him at games all the time. If you watch Suns games and the sun zooms on under him. And then we have our guest, DJ Automatic. From He's a resident DJ for Suns games. Thanks for coming in and talking with us today. Appreciate you on, man. Appreciate for you guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, it's an honor, man. It's great to hear you with everything that you put on at Suns games, the energy, a great, great uh, time. Always spent covering the games, not because of how well they play, but because of the experience you bring to the table for the fans over the past two seasons. And uh, I just wanted to discuss four things today in this episode. We're going to talk about your uh, come up in the Phoenix market and the Phoenix hip-hop market in general. We'll discuss Jamal Crawford's retirement as of the March 21st, Monday. And also we'll discuss the Suns' road trip this week until they return on Sunday versus the Philadelphia 76ers, which is another statement game. And discuss the NCAA tournament, the start of March Madness last week. And last Thursday, we had some first-round upsets as well as Friday, and then through the second round as well. So we'll talk about the men's and the women's brackets. So Automatic, you're hail from Minnesota originally. You came to Phoenix uh, several years ago, but you stopped in between in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, also, that's where you met your wife, Dana Cortez, who's also the co-host of your morning show, Dana Cortez Show, which is syndicated. And she is the first ever uh, Mexican uh, a person of Mexican descent to have their own syndicated morning show for urban radio, correct? Yeah, her first uh, first female to do so, yes. In the English, yeah, in English, yes. That's correct. Okay. All right. Well, thank and you. we didn't meet, we met in Albuquerque. We didn't meet in San Antonio. Oh, right. Yeah, and I, and I actually, I, um, I was born in Minnesota, but I grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Right, right. Yeah. It, Santa Fe, and that's also where you met my... Oh, former colleague, or actually current colleague for once in a while when I still freelance for Hip Hop DX, uh, Kyle uh, Lucas, who is now Kyle Eustace. Uh, and also uh, Santa Fe Hip Hop Market is actually a pretty thriving one. It's been for several years. Tell me about how you started. And I know I wrote the article about you last year. For those who did not read it in azcentral.com, let us know where you got your first break and where you went from there a little bit. Um, I had some friends that moved on. Well, this is how I got interested in DJing, at least. I had some friends that moved from New York to Santa Fe. They lived on the same street as I did. The older brother was a DJ. And I was already into hip-hop. Like, I liked hip-hop, but I didn't, I'd never been around turntables or anything. I was about 12 years old. And uh, he, he, he was on the basketball team, the high school basketball team. And when he would leave, he'd always be like, don't touch my stuff. Don't go in my room. Don't mess with my records. Don't touch my needles. And, of course, when he leave, we would go into the room and we would just... I thought I was like on juice or something. I would sit there practicing scratching. And then I caught, the, that was how I caught the bug. And then another friend got some turntables. And then I finally got my own. And then from there it was on. 
But when you say you thought you were on Juice, that means the movie Juice from 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought I was. I thought I was Q on Juice. Yeah. <laughs> you were the white Omar Epps. I was the white. I I also thought I, I my hero growing up was LL Cool J too. So. Yeah. Also, yeah. let me point out, as a former DJ myself, that is a DJ cultural thing in which you do not want anybody touching your stuff because you at risk the possibility of someone breaking the stylus on the needle and somebody could break the records back when we had to carry the crates and somebody could oh. scratch them and maybe put them out of order in the crate. And when that's is a, a very, very uh, intricate thing that DJs pride themselves on and having the correct order of the records when they go and put them on the platter. Not only that, if you scratch a record, it has a skip right at the point, like what, anywhere in the record, the record's done, you can't use it anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. As well as the fact that, you know, if you could, you know, if, if, if you have any part of the, the records, uh, maybe like if, if it's a, uh, if you put like a sticker to basically mark where you could scratch it or something and something gets messed up and you basically lose that spot. Yeah, it's gone forever. Right. Unless you buy record and the chances of finding the records is usually not that good right right absolutely and you also don't want anybody learning your, your your stuff you don't want anybody learning the records that you use i feel like that that definitely was the thing back in the day but now it's like i feel like everybody shares everything the, inter <laughs> yeah. the internet changed everything right the, the serato changed everything yes yeah. serato people, changed everything. people openly borrow now interesting because back then hip-hop culture was such a uh, it, the, the barriers to entry were very higher, uh, much higher than they are now. I mean, it's it's almost like anybody can get on and get a SoundCloud now, become a star overnight with TikTok. Or, uh, I mean, you wonder if artists. I was just discussing with my wife uh, Beth about Lil Nas X. Like, would Lil Nas X be a star in say 2004, or would he be designated to just basically like? Sissy bounce in New Orleans of some sort because the internet's changed everything and you know it, it's become so inclusive to so many people that want to basically make a record and it just jumps off and then you get a deal off of that uh, couple of uh, hundred thousand you know, listens and uh, downloads, right? Exactly. I mean, no. To answer your question, no, he wouldn't have gotten a deal in two thousand four. <laughs> right. Culturally, it didn't it wouldn't have made like it just wasn't accepted, but uh, in the hip hop at least. But I'm glad that it's, things changed. And now everybody, I, I like the fact that everybody gets a chance now. Everybody gets their 15, you know, gets their 15 minutes. Uh, it's the, the hard part is sticking around. Right. Well, tell me about the hard part of getting syndicated, though. I mean, it, it, or even the struggles that you went through. You want to touch on that? Uh, from a radio standpoint, yeah. So um, obviously, Dan and I, we've been married for 10 plus years. We've been doing the show together longer than we've been married. And when we... Actually, when we first started uh, doing the show together, they moved us almost immediately from Albuquerque to Houston. Right. And when we, they moved us to Houston, they started to syndicate us from Houston to San Francisco. Sa Houston, San Francisco, and Albuquerque. And my boss at the time, shout out this man, this guy, Pete Manriquez, he was like, hey, you guys are going to be syndicated. And at this time, I've been on radio for a year, and I had never intended on being on the radio. It wasn't like my... Uh, it wasn't my dream because I had I would get stage fright, like just talking in front of crowds. I, but the turntables was a whole different story. But talking to people, I would get extremely nervous, like have panic attacks. Yeah. And so I was like, radio wasn't for me. So within a year, I'm in Houston, a, a year of being on the radio, I'm in Houston. And he's like, hey, figure out syndication. 
And I was like, what do you mean figure out syndication? He was like, you're a smart guy. You'll make it work. And I just started listening to shows. I started listening to like shows that I knew were in the market in Houston that were on in other markets. And I would just, I would record them and I would just try to understand exactly how they were doing every single break. And that's literally how Dan and I learned how to do syndication was listening to other morning shows. I basically wake up to you both every morning. I mean, Patrick, you know, when you're on the way to work uh, at, at Peoria High School, I mean, what do you listen to going on the, the radio and then out there at the high school? Oh, yeah, the Daniel Cortez show, you already know. Got to show love uh, to DJ Automatic, sounds DJ, but... Um, I, didn't real, I didn't even realize you were Mr. Orange in the beginning until he had said that you are Mr. Orange because I hadn't <laughs> ever not, not seen you as Mr. Orange. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And it was crazy because it took forever, like, because you've been our, our official DJ for some time now. And it yeah. took till, it was sometime this year that I linked the two. Because uh, the morning show I listened to, you know, because I, I love hip hop and, and rap and R&B. And then the, the show is awesome. So it was crazy because I was like, it took me that long to connect the two that our son's DJ is, uh, you know, DJ Automatic from, from the morning show. So, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, right up the alley, huge for the valley, just in terms of, you know, the, the culture and what it brings, but, um, it was even better because I was like, okay, he's actually here. So, uh, you know, we're blessed with so many syndications, you know, the, they could actually be anywhere, um, you know, to, to perform their shows and, you know, to have them in the Valley and then, you know, DJ automatic doing his thing in Phoenix. Uh, it, it's truly special to, to have that here, both with him and, and Dana Cortez. Yeah, one thing I always think about is, it, the Dana Cortez show in the morning, you obviously play what's popular and what's uh, basically required for spins uh, on the station. For yeah, whatever, like, what, like for the most part, unless I'm DJing, unless it's like the playlist or we, our mix show, we call it the playlist. Yeah, uh, I don't on any of our stations. I don't have a say so on what's being played at all. Right. Yeah. Now, so, but, but you have your alter ego, basically, for Suns games, which is great because you go back to your roots playing oh, yeah. uh, stuff like Souls of Mischief, Gangstar, you'll play Naughty by Nature's Uptown Anthem, and you'll play uh, Tyler the Creator, and all these, you know, contemporaries that are, uh, as well as the old school stuff that I grew up on and Patrick grew up on, that we pride ourselves as, you know, hip-hop traditionalists, basically, right? So that's one thing I love about the Suns games. I get to be me. I get to like I get to play like I don't I'm not playing against the meters. The meters are what you get the ratings from. I'm I'm just playing for the stadium and just playing for the vibe, and that's what I love. I love like and it's shout out to you know to Sean to DJ Tribal Touch because when I first started there, I wasn't sure how it was gonna be, and then when with him being a hip hop head and him liking that stuff and me being like, yo, we should play this, and him being, like, oh no, let's play this. It just became to like. It just becomes a party and like a party that I like actually enjoy that I'm not, you know, being told, hey, you have to play this and I'm not, and I'm upset about it. <laughs> right, right. Like I said in that article, you're not gnashing your teeth as you play what they tell you to play. You're playing what you want. And it feels like a vibe back when I was coming up in high school in the 90s when I'd be playing street ball at some place in, in the tri-state area where I'm from in Connecticut or New York or New Jersey or even Boston, when I lived there 17 years, if you're having a boombox at a court and you basically hear some song by, say, Gangstar, Question Remains, and you just break loose on whatever moves, it just gets in you to want to make somebody, you know, fall over off a crossover you put on them. And, and not to say that you wouldn't want to do that anyway without music, but it just gives you that extra, uh, to make you want to, like, get some groove into your step. 
Like that's yeah. the that in basketball is all about rhythm, as Curtis Blow once told me, and why he made the song basketball. No, I mean, think about what uh, I don't know if you saw the post from campaign this weekend, but he just he was he put at DJ Automatic play young uh, plays young uh, young boy Nevada, and it's on from there. And it's like the same thing. What you felt at that day when you had the boombox, he feels in the stadium. It's exactly it's just a vibe. It's just he wants to get into that rhythm. He's of that generation too. And that's the great thing about the, the, the hip hop market in here in Phoenix is that it is growing. There have been artists that are from Phoenix that actually get recognized. I like that you brought uh, DJ or maybe it was uh, Travel Touch who booked uh, DJ Futuristic. What was it? Not DJ Futuristic. His name is Futuristic. The rapper, yeah. The rapper. He's actually from Tempe. And he, the, the fact that the hometown is showing him love to get him more exposure within his town because he's been doing this for a while and the yeah, hip hop I mean, market I've, has been here. I've known who he, who he is for probably, I would say like probably 10 years, maybe. Right. He, yeah. He's been, he's been bubbling underground and doing his own thing indie for a long time and been very, very successful. Right. Yeah. And before we switch topics automatic, uh, just on the topic of the Suns, you know, I want to hear your, your take on, you know, coming to the Valley, being the uh, Suns official DJ. And really, I want to, you know, credit you for the impact that you make to our vibe and our uh, six-man experience because um, I've been a season ticket holder for 20 years and this is season 12 as Mr. Orange. And the in-game atmosphere is at an all-time high and it has been for the past couple of years. And we're talking like preseason, regular season, not even playoffs, where obviously then we were put on the map more nationally. But, you know, you just hit on the head. The, the co I'm huge. I coach basketball. And the culture piece uh, goes further than anybody can truly understand that's not involved in basketball. And so when when you see the guys warming up to, um, you know, the, the seven songs that are selected sometimes, that you know, the wild card that gets thrown in there, and the way that that sets the tone, both from the fan perspective as well as the player's, like that, that is a huge part of, of what's made the culture what it is uh, because everyone's like, oh, X's and O's, et cetera. But the chemistry that these guys have and a couple of them have went viral where, you know, they just grab like one of the training sticks and, uh, you know, Mikel Bridges and DA are, are you know, going back and forth uh, to the song. So um, it's it just been awesome. And, and you are a huge part of that because uh, that's the drumbeat of what gets us going as fans. Um, you know, when it's we need energy and, and what that beat that you drop in between timeouts, all that is is what feeds uh, who we are. And obviously, as a super fan, you know, that's huge for helping us get going. So um, I would just love and the, and the Suns fans would love to hear, you know, how has it been for you coming in um, and and how do you feel with the, the role that you play in our um, six man experience that we provide and that uh, difference within our atmosphere? Honestly, it's a, it's a dream come true. I've always been like a humongous sports fan and to like have the ability to paint the picture, you know, put like lay down the soundtrack for uh, and literally score a live event is a it's like it's what I, something I wanted to do pretty much. I, I mean, since I started DJing and I didn't know how I was going to get up, get to it. But it, when I came to Phoenix, the, the opportunity finally presented itself and. When I saw it, I I just grabbed it. I was like, "There's no way I'm letting this guy, you know, get away from me." Because you know, like I said, it's kind of a dream come true. And I, I mean, I love, I love the games. Okay, I've been on tour all over the world. I've opened and played with the biggest stars in the world. I DJing at the basketball games is the most fulfilling thing for me 
right now and maybe ever as far as DJing has been concerned. I, I really do feel like I found a completely new lane for myself that I feel like I can, I, I can be in for a long time. And I really like it. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love being on stage and doing that. I still like DJing clubs. But the feeling in that stadium, like when Cam Johnson hit that, hit that last second shot, that was like, you can't, you can't duplicate that anywhere else. That doesn't happen anywhere else. Covering that game was one of the greatest moments <laughs> of my professional career now, as far as a, as a journalist. You know, he's talking about when Cam Johnson went for 38 points and uh, hit eight three-pointers against the New York Knicks actually on uh, March 4th, that Friday night at that. That was awesome. And yes. uh, shout out to you for rocking the Keith Herring sh uh, uh, sweatshirt. That was pretty dope too, man. I've been watching the Andy Warhol uh, documentary on uh, Netflix. Yeah, man. That's as hip-hop as you can get. I remember as a little boy, I'll check that, but I remember as a little boy going to the pop shop, Keith Herring's store actually at the corner of uh, uh, Spring and uh, Houston and Lafayette Street. You know, in, oh. in Manhattan, man, and he was alive. Yeah, my mother lived in Spring and Lafayette for 13 years. So uh, that brings back a lot of memories seeing that shirt. Uh, our next topic is discussing the Suns' road trip. They have two more games in their three-game road trip. Most of their games left um, are going to be on the road. They're going to return this Sunday against the 76ers, which is another statement game. They played against the Bulls and beat them. Actually, on Friday, 129-102, uh, the Bulls are one of the top teams in the East. But then they, uh, the Suns had a grind game against Sacramento on Sunday. They have a game on Wednesday against Minnesota Timberwolves, who was actually number six in the West so far, uh, if the playoffs were to begin today. And the Denver Nuggets are another great team led by their MVP, reigning MVP, Nikola Djokovic. I'm sorry, Nikola Jokic. <laughs> I got my sports mixed up. Jokovic, uh, he plays tennis. Then they got the 76ers on Sunday. So, Patrick, what do you think about this team and how they've persevered through this five-game win streak since they lost to, to Toronto on March 11th? Yeah, you know, the the wake-up call that this team bounces back from from losses is truly uh, impressive, right? And when we look at what we've seen last year in the playoffs um, and then even early this year to start the season, everybody, you know, those first few games nationally, like, oh, you know, it was just a fad, the injuries that, you know, they played against, none of that's true. And to see specifically each of these games following that loss – of how resilient the team is. And, and you hear, heard all the comments, right? Uh, Devin Booker, you know, one loss, we're, we're, we're upset. Um, you know, we're passionate. We want to make that those changes and we want to get back out there. Like the level of accountability, that, that culture piece is at an all-time high. And then when you look specifically at last night's game, right, you have no Chris Paul, Drake, Jay Crowder gets back. Cam Johnson's still out following that, that winning shot we spoke about was the last time we saw him on the court. And then you have Devin Booker who fouls out. You have DeAndre Ayton who fouls out. You have JaVale McGee who fouls out, right? It's like, who else is there? Like, who's going to hit the shots? Who's going to do the things? And you're playing against a very good coach and former, you know, a friend and former coach of ours in Alvin Gentry. And you have a very young squad that's hungry to win and, and make a statement. Anybody that plays the Suns wants to win. And, and we talked about that. It doesn't matter the win-loss record coming into the second half of the season after the All-Star break. We spoke about on the podcast. 
anybody that plays us is going to bring their best basketball and they're going to want to beat us. And for, for the group to respond the way they did yesterday and come away with that win to now be two games away from locking up that number one seed in the Western conference says a whole lot and should put the league on notice. Now, Again, when a series starts, everything changes and, and it's a, a clean slate and none of the rest matters except we have home court advantage all the way. But you have got to be excited if you're a Suns fan on what you have seen from everyone knowing their role and stepping up and starring in it. Because as deep as we've shown we can go, that should be a concern if you're any other team. You're like, okay, well, Devin Booker fouled out or Chris Paul's injured. Okay, we're good. No, you're not. And, and Bismack Biombo then steps up. Like, it's just never-ending. If you're an opponent, you can't plan for that. And so uh, down this stretch is, you know, the priority should be staying healthy. You know, not necessarily – I'm not a fan of rest completely, but limiting minutes as you lock that seating in. You, you, I, you know, don't rest completely. Like, no Devin Booker, no, you know, Chris Paul, you know, DeAndre Ayton. Like, you have to stay healthy and fresh because if not, you have other risks of injury, in my opinion. But uh, to be in that position and, and be where we're at – and Chris Paul, you know, as you wrote about as well, you know, coming off of that injury and now practicing without the brace, uh, him being very close, you know, to potentially coming back and getting some minutes. Um, I am very excited. The competition looks different this year. It's going to be tougher uh, the road than last year, but we have to just keep going one game at a time, continue to fine tune those areas. But uh, man, has it, has it been something special to watch and capped off with that win last night? Absolutely. One of the things that uh, I noticed is, step up from several uh, members like Corey Craig going 13 of 13 uh, in the you know, games before, uh, against Chicago and then against Houston, the Rockets, when they won at uh, Houston on Wednesday last week, 129-112. And Torrey Craig went eight for eight, actually. And he was also five for five uh, the following game against Chicago off the bench. So he had a lucky 13 and he's the first player in NBA history to have 20 plus points. I'm sorry, 30 plus points, 20 rebounds, and hitting 100% of at least five threes in a two game span. Okay. Um, now that's pretty remarkable to step up in the absence of Jay Crowder, who missed those two games against Houston and Chicago. And then also the missing uh, Johnson, who was their three point gunner. Both Crowder and Johnson are three point gunners. And, but Crowder is the one who really is the bruiser that provides the rebounding as the starting four guys. So for Cra for Craig to come in and do that as the guy who pretty much is the combo, the two fits what Steve Nash said before the Nets played in Phoenix, saying that the, the basically the Suns are the most complete team. Their depth is what makes them work, and their balance of the depth is really what clicks them well together and how the pieces are just so intertwined that it's almost like you can't, you know, it's almost like you can't take it apart, almost like a Chinese finger trap. They're, they're just so intertwined together. And once you get in that trap, you can't get out, and you're basically stuck, and you're going to get pummeled. And, and that's the thing about the Suns. But automatic, when you see this team, as good as they are you know, from where you started and where they are now, what do you see that stands out the most? They're a team, like a real complete team. There's the, you know, obviously, you know, Book's the star and you got, you know, Chris Paul, DA, but any day, anyone, any guy on that team will step up and give you what, what needs to be given. Right. And that, that that's what really makes them a complete team. And I feel, I mean, obviously I'm incredibly biased, 
But I feel like we're watching one of the greatest teams that the NBA is going to have ever have seen. I'm thinking really the same do. thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might be right. Uh, not to cut you off, but I, I was thinking the same thing. They're 58 and 14. They're the first team with 50 game win, 50 wins this season. And, you know, this might be the best sense team overall because they, the record is 62 wins and they're four games away from it. They have 10 games left and there's seven of them on the road. So you're probably right in that assessment that this is probably going to be the best Suns team ever, even if they don't win the title. And that would be a major disappointment at this point if they don't. I, I, I don't even like to think about that because, I mean, for last year when we lost to the Bucks, that hurt for a good, you know, it still hurts to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> right. The but, difference is this to me is you have series. You can, any team can get beat on any night, but when you're entering, this isn't high school, this isn't college, March Madness, this is you are in the NBA and you're playing a series. So you have got to figure out a way to beat a team four times, right? And unbiasedly, that is going to be very difficult for a team to be able to do against the Phoenix Suns uh, because of the depth. You, you, as Automatic said, when you have that level of depth and the bench minutes matter, Phoenix has the advantage. And so... Being healthy is going to be a plus there, and every other team will have to ensure that they're healthy. But last year, you know, we we had opportunities, and then things went away, especially against, you know, Giannis. There was no answer for him, and the second DA came out, um, you know, we were exploited even more in that regard. And so um, everyone has that feeling, and, and as a coach, again, you can't teach – the feeling of losses and that experience of going through it yourself. So for DA, obviously Crowder has been through it a few times now. Book, you know, Chris Paul, his first finals, to have that feeling with that core that we have together and even Craig going and coming back, the, the, those things are irreplaceable. So the level of focus is going to be 10 times elevated than it was last year. And so um, it is definitely going to be a very, very scary team for anyone to face as we head into the playoffs. Right. And Book said a couple of times in some recent press conferences that they don't want to lose more than two games in a row. Even against Toronto, uh, that, that grind that Cameron Payne, he was a leading scorer at 24 points. He said that he wanted to stick it to the Raptors because they cut him actually a couple of years ago in training camp in 2019. And he had to go on a, this journey through some uh, G League minutes, uh, the G League teams, and he ended up in China and just was really on this journey outside of the NBA. So he had that vendetta against the Raptors to want to get it, get back at them. And that's one of the things that the Suns are, are, are really, really uh, – Finding as a they're, they're, the champions really look for something to get them motivated. True competitors always look for something that they take personal to get them going. Just like Michael Jordan said in that last that dance documentary, I took that personal, which is now a ubiquitous meme. So those guys all have something within them uh, on the Suns to make them go forward and, and, and get themselves motivated to want to beat any team that comes their way. And speaking of March Madness, this segues to our next topic about the NCAA tournament. We actually got a couple of minutes left to talk about that as well as Jamal Crawford's uh, retirement today. The March Madness actually is probably one of the best starting uh, weekends that we've had in a long time. Yeah, I mean, do you guys agree? It was definitely fun. It was fun. And my bracket looks awful, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> right. As does everyone's. <laughs> yeah, right. So we have – the only bracket that's really intact is the West where the four – 
the first four seeds advanced over the weekend. Everybody else's brackets for the other regions are busted, like completely done. The South and West and the East, toast. And it's great because it, it adds to the fact that parity in college basketball is so much needed in order to make it exciting. Because for so many years, you had teams that were just blowing teams out. And it was just basically the – uh, it, it wasn't even worth watching anymore. And that's the beauty of college basketball is that the upsets like St. Peter's over uh, Kentucky or that 15 seed over a two seed, that's great. And you have a couple of 11 seeds. You have the 10 seed in Miami. You have Michigan. It was the 11 seed, which I'm surprised I actually made the tournament after that, you know, huge brawl that Juwan Howard started in Wisconsin. I'm really surprised they made the tournament entering at 17-13. <laughs> Did he start that though? He didn't really start that. That guy touched him first. But yes, he did. yes, you, <laughs> and, and and he did st touch him first. But did Jawan Howard have to throw the haymaker at the assistant coach on Wisconsin? I'm a Michigan fan saying this. I, I'm posing the question as as a Michigan I don't know, fan. I really don't know what was said. So you know, we'll we leave it know. at that. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. But as a man, as a, as the leader of, of of a pack of 18 year old to 22 year old kids, I mean. I, I guess I got to basically act like Betsy Ross here and, and, and soap an American flag and say, you can't do that because you're basically showing that you, you basically can have the example. You might you, Let me bring it back to Georgetown. You, you want to know how many times John Thompson wanted to smack dudes in that, that upside head during the 80s, being one of the only black coaches in a prominent program where there were so many administrators and other coaches and fans who were attacking his players, calling them the N-word and calling them monkeys and calling Patrick Ewing, uh, uh, you know, basically taking his players off the court and, and, and he even walked off the court at one point, you know, in 1889 for the Prop 48 thing that was that was happening. Do you imagine how many times John Thompson wanted to smack people up inside their head? And he did. But Jawan Howard, only four years in, is smacking up a dude inside the head in his handshake line. So that's what surprised me about them making the tournament. Well, when you put it when you put it that way, you make it, I guess you made a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this this weekend it just shows uh, the excitement that is college basketball, right? And and back to the difference between NBA and college, it's who shows up that game, right? right? And who wants it more? And that chemistry and that these are young men um, and, and that excitement and who's going to execute and feeds off of that energy we're talking about with automatic and the atmospheres that are created. And so, you know, with St. Peter's, for example, they look good on, on all levels. Yeah, and uh, shout out to know. Shaheen Holloway too, man. I remember when he was at Seton Hall in the late 90s, man. I, I love his quote saying, you know, we're not scared of anybody. I got guys from New York and New Jersey. You, th you think we're scared of anything? Awesome quote. Awesome. Yeah. And, 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 and so, Murray State. That's the guy from the tri-state area. Of yeah, course. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shout out to tri-state area. And also the fact that we got they, – they beat Murray State, who had the best record in the whole entire field of 68. They were 32 yep. at turn the tournament. And they look great. And that's the excitement, right? And we'll we'll expect to continue to see that. But I think everyone that's a, a fan of sport and that loves March Madness, you know that that's what it's all about. And you know, the there's more than one Cinderella story this year so far. And so, you know, that's it's just exciting to watch and 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 be a part of as a fan. Right. Who do you, who do you guys who do you guys got winning it all? Who'd you pick? I have Gonzaga, so they're still alive. Yeah, I picked Arizona. 
I picked Arizona also. Never did, will yeah. that happen. You Never that will game? I pick Arizona. <laughs> you, yeah, I'm sure. You're you're an ASU guy at heart. Absolutely. Right? Okay, all right. That makes so they sense. got away with one last night. He is truly Boxing Phoenix. out is he a is, problem. He is Phoenix all the way. But did you see the Arizona game against, uh, you know, last night? Um, that, that was probably one of the best games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, against TCU, I mean, that was a grind. And Benedict Matherin just totally went off for 30 and matched the season high. And that dunk as well as, you know, the, the ending of the regulation with the dunk by Dalen Terry off that steal. Uh, a lot of real questionable things, but how exciting was that? It was uh, exciting, and I mean, like I said, I hope they win it all. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to say this. I feel like Gonzaga won't make it past the next round. That's what I think. That's There's me. automatics, bold prediction. Yes. That's my bold prediction. I, oh, I, man. And, okay. and I'm going to say this. Okay. We're, all, we're on in Spokane. So I I, uh, <laughs> I I I should be Dana Cortez show. Yeah. you heard it first. Is on You heard it here. You heard it here. Going for the Homer pick in Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry guys, but I just uh, I don't. We'll see what happens. Yeah, man. For I, sure. Yeah. Also, the thing about the uh, the tournament that I like uh, is that there's hopefully there's only one number one seed that goes all the way and the rest are lower seeds. I mean, we still have great matchups for the Sweet 16. Like we have uh, North Carolina versus UCLA. So we got some blue bloods in there. And even though North Carolina is a, uh, an eight seed and we have Duke who advanced and they're playing Texas Tech. And so Texas Tech got to the final four a couple of years ago. So we have another blue blood, Mike Krzyzewski, uh going up against Texas Tech, which is, you know, still coming off of its final four year from uh, back in 2018, I believe. Is that correct? No, it was actually 2019 because that was right before uh, the legendary Nipsey Hussle actually was murdered and he rooted for Texas Tech. And that was actually cool to see him because he was wearing all, you know, blood red Texas Tech colors. And he's a crit, right? <laughs> yeah, rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. Rest in peace. Yeah. Well, um, Tech, Tech's got a great program, man. And it's like the Big 12 as far as, I mean, obviously they're a football conference, but they really have some great basketball teams too now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the women's do too. I mean, the, the, the women's basketball uh, bracket looks great. UConn's playing out right now, and you got some great teams that, that have advanced. Uh, Arizona and North Carolina are playing right now. Shout out to a couple of Arizonans who I picked for Allstate a couple of years ago, uh, Madison Connor who was uh, all Arizona 2020, who played at uh, Perry uh, High School and then went to AZ Cummins Prep, is now to Arizona, and Taylor Chavez from Valley Vista, who was actually transferred from Oregon, former sixth player of the year from 2020, who is now at Arizona, who's coming as a backup point guard. And then you have Alexandra Zelaya, who's at North Carolina, is their big, and she was a, a star at Millennium High School, helped them lead them to their first two championships out of the four that they just won a couple weeks ago, uh, their fourth in a row at 5A conference. And uh, Jamal Crawford is our last topic. He retired today officially on Twitter. Jay Crossover is one of the greatest playmakers ever, and he is in an elite category. He's got four 50-point games with – you know, for four different teams. He's the only one to do that. Second all-time next to uh, uh, behind Lou Williams for most points off the bench. And he's three-time six-man award winner. 
And he's also the oldest to score over 50 points in his last Suns game in 2019. It rained on Dirk Nowitzki's, you know, farewell night in Dallas. That was amazing to watch on April 9, 2019, even though the Suns did not make the playoffs and they were still a, a middling team uh, coming out of the West. So what do you guys make of Jay Crossover, man? What have you, you have any memories of watching him play over the past 20, uh, 20 years when he was uh, playing? I, I've always just thought of him as that spark plug off the bench. He was that guy that's going to, you know, the sixth man that was going to always put in some work. And he's definitely, I mean, he played for the Timberwolves for a minute. I remember, you know, I played for the, he played for the Suns for a while. And he's just a journeyman. Like, it always felt like he was in a different spot. But he was always a, always a great basketball player. Played for eight different teams, teams actually. Um, yeah, or seven. But it was seven different teams, seven different teams. And 20 years from 2000 when he was a one and done out of Michigan. And then, you know, all the way to 2019, he was a free agent through the last two uh, years, actually. But go ahead, Patrick. Sorry. No, you're good. But what Automatic said, one of the biggest things for me is how he is just, as a coach, he's that epitome of, of do your job hustle and, and the role and the value that that plays he has one of the best handles in the league but for him everywhere he went he made an impact and someone of that magnitude over 20 years going across seven different teams uh that isn't easy but he embraced each of those roles um loved who he was as a man so being able to interact with him in between his stints or you know i was at games against the lakers uh when he was a clipper and he and his son would just come walking by and just take in the game like just and he would always say hello be so cordial but uh just who he was as a man and how he went about the game um you know as as, as a fan of the game and, and a coach and someone that loves the game it's guys like that that make it that much better. And those are the role models you want, you know, your kids and and the kids that you coach to really look up to and, and to be an example of who you are on and off the court. And so um, I can't wait to see what's next for him. And, you know, does he get into a front office gig or how he'll be involved within the NBA? Because for sure, you know, the, the possibilities are endless for that man. So I just can't wait to see what's next in that journey and he'll for sure be missed on the court. Absolutely. He was a son for one year um, back in 2018-19 season. But to me, he always seemed like a New York guy. That he, He's a Seattle native, but he seemed like to play a New York style of ball in that street ball vibe that he brought to the table. Uh, you guys you have other street ball legends like Lloyd Daniels and Ray Ferralston, who was skipped to my loop back in the N1 mixtape days and went up playing on the Rockets and the Miami Heat. And then you got other streetball legends uh, that have played the game and, you know, played in the NBA. But Jamal Crawford was really the quintessential uh, guy that was the streetball dude who came in the social media era that really didn't – we didn't have that before in the social media era, other than Ray for Alston maybe. But, he, you know, those guys – for as long, we didn't have somebody as long as Crawford had played, and he's one of eight guys who was in the elite category with these eight guys that played 20 plus years in the NBA. That's Vince Carter, Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Willis, and Hall of Famers Kevin Garnett, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Kobe Bryant. That's a elite company to be a part of. And uh, I want to thank you guys for this episode. Definitely, definitely fun talking hoops and hip hop with you, Automatic. Thanks for coming on. Patrick. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate honor, you, man. You got, you, you're awesome. And shout out to DJ Javen, who was also with you uh, doing the games when you're taking days off uh, at the home yeah. games. Is that correct? 
Yeah, Jay, well, Javen's the official DJ for the Mercury, and uh, if I if I take a game off or like the uh, last Friday was a uh, women's night, so we had Javen do the do the game, and yeah, but Javen, let me say something. Javen is a superstar. She's an amazing DJ, and she's an even better person. So wow. shout That's out awesome. her. Awesome. So get ready for this playoff stretch, automatic, because <laughs> we're gonna need you. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm actually, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to be in San Antonio for a little while, but once the, once the playoffs are there, I'm here always, the whole time. Yes, nice. sir. Nice. Well, thanks for coming on and I uh, appreciate you all listening in. Until next week, I'm Dana Scott for Patrick Patillo. This is the Inferno Podcast. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.